gospel reading for this morning and the basis for our next few minutes together comes from Matthew's gospel beginning in the fifth chapter at the 38th verse. It's the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. And Matthew wrote these things, Jesus speaking. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. You have heard that it was said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers, what more are you doing than others? Do not even the Gentiles do the same? You, therefore, must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Would you pray with me, please? O oh God of peace, hear our prayer. We've prayed that you would make us slow to anger. But if we believe we have become so, it is propped up only when we interpret our actions within the world as somehow superior to others. Our bombs are the good bombs. Our bullets are the good bullets. Our ways are the right ways, we claim. We only go to war when it's justified. It's the other people who are unjustified. We're sure of it. We've not become less angry. We've only projected our anger on others. O oh God of love, hear our prayer. We've prayed that you would make us more welcoming of outsiders. And we feel that we are welcoming when people like us show up at our door. And when they've come in and joined us where we are, doing what we do, saying what we say, it might not be so easy were we to encounter those who challenge us to change, to grow, to make room at the table. For some reason, though, we don't encounter them often. We wonder where they are. Inclusive God, here are no on second thought. You've heard enough of these prayers of ours. This time, this day, help us to hear our own prayer. May we listen with our hearts and minds. Amen. There was a small man who went into a restaurant, and he sat down to eat. And a big bully that was sitting at the bar got up and walked over to that little man and chopped him across the neck. And it knocked him flat on the floor. 
And as the man was getting up, the big man said, that's karate from Japan. Well, the smaller man rubbed his neck, sat back down, and started to eat his meal again. And a few minutes later, the big man returned. He picked the little man up off of the stool, threw him over his shoulder, and said, that's judo from Japan. Well, the little man walked out of the restaurant with the big man laughing at him. But he returned 15 minutes later, walked up behind him, and cracked the big man over the head and said, that's crowbar from Sears. <laughs> you know, we got a tough passage to talk about this morning, but here we go. This passage from the infamous Sermon on the Mount draws a picture of something you perhaps have not thought about before. You know, one of the easiest things, I think, in the world is to become a Christian. All you really have to do is confess that you're a sinner, repent of your sin, believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and was raised from the dead, and then you surrender your life to him as your Lord and Savior. And if you can do that, you are an instant Christian. It's easy to become a Christian. But at the same time, one of the most difficult things in the world to be is a Christian. And we will be taking, talking about that for just a little bit this morning. You know, Mark Twain once said about the Bible, and I think he was right about this, he said, I have no problem with the parts of the Bible that I don't understand. No problem. It's those parts of the Bible that I do understand that give me fits. And I think this is one of those instances. Because what Jesus says is almost totally opposite of the attitude that is prevalent in America today. I think we live in a country of I want. I want my rights. I want my happiness. I want my way. I want my revenge. I want my money. Rights are as American as mom and apple pie. This is a country where citizens do have rights. But Jesus reminds us pretty powerfully this morning, I think, if you are serious about following him, about being a Christian, you may have to give up some of your rights. Now, the first rule of right that Jesus talks about this morning is an eye for an eye. Eye for an eye. That's lex talionis. It's the law of just retribution. It's found three times in the Pentateuch, in Exodus and Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, as well as being in the ancient law code of Hammurabi. So why do you suppose we have to have this rule in the first place? Anybody? Why should we have this rule, Bob?
Yeah. It's so things don't escalate. So if you lose an eye, you get an eye. If you lose a tooth, you get a tooth. If you lose an eye, you don't go back and kill the person that took your eye, you just take their eye. And as gross as that sounds, we as human beings actually need this kind of rule. So things don't escalate. Just think about how things escalate today. Um, and in this, there is no distinction on wealth or any other status in society. An eye is an eye, a tooth is a tooth. But Jesus says, don't resist an evil person. Don't resist evil person. This is really kind of startling, even for us today, I think. This denies his listeners, his followers, any possible recourse for meeting the violence of an evildoer with defensive violence. Instead of resisting, instead of seeking some kind of legal recourse, Jesus tells his listeners to turn the other cheek. Did you ever think about this? Turn the other cheek. What's that mean? Walk away? It does not mean to walk away, but that's a good, good answer. Surrender. Actually, it's a perfectly um, active act of nonviolence resistance. If somebody slaps you on the face and turns your head with whatever hand they slap you with, if you turn the other cheek, they cannot slap you in the same way again but you don't move. You stay in front of that person, but you take away their ability to slap you again. It's a very active kind of nonviolent resistance. And the same kind of spirit can be found in Jesus' other two directives. Give up your cloak and your tunic. If you do these things, how are you presenting yourself? If you give up your cloak and tunic, what do you look like? You're naked. You're standing there stark naked. And the shame doesn't fall on you, it falls on the person who would take your cloak and tunic. This over-the-top behavior Jesus calls for points directly to a shaming of the person who would take those things from you even to collect a debt. And then the third example of going the extra mile. Going the extra mile. In Roman occupation areas. The Romans were allowed to take a private citizen and put them to work. They were limited, however, in how far they could move this person to a mile. Jesus says, if somebody impresses upon you work 
to go a mile, take it upon yourself then to go an extra mile. Go an extra mile. It takes away, in some ways, their power over you because you freely, of your own free will, go an extra mile. And then he says the familiar, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But then he adds what folks had added to that phrase, and you should hate your enemy. You've heard people say this. But Jesus says, no, I don't say that. I say, and this is the hitching post in Christianity in some ways, love your enemies. No other religion on the face of the earth has that directive in it. It's what sets Christianity, one of the things that sets Christianity apart from any other religion. And then he goes further and says, pray for those who persecute you. Jesus says, love your enemies so you might be sons and daughters of God who allows the gifts of creation, sun and rain, to fall both on the evil and the good, on the just and the unjust, the righteous and the unrighteous, or the righteous and the unrighteous. And then he says, anybody can love those who love them, but you're called to do more. Bill Walton learned that to play basketball for John Wooden, you had to give up some of your rights. Coach Wooden had a rule against facial hair. If you played for him, no facial hair was allowed. Well, after a 10-day break from school, Bill Walton came to practice wearing a beard. And Coach Wooden walked up to him and said, Bill, have you forgotten something? And Walton replied, well, coach, if you're talking about my beard, I think I should be allowed to wear it because it's my right. And Coach Wooden said, do you really believe in that? And he said, well, yes, I do very much. And Coach Wooden looked at him and said, Bill, I have a great respect for individuals who stand up for those things in which they believe. I really do. And if you believe that that is your right, I would die for your right to defend that right. And Bill Walton said, well, thank you, coach. And then Wooden said, I just want you to know, though, that the team is really going to miss you. Now for the ridiculously hard part. Be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. And the word in Greek that we translate as perfect is telos. But it doesn't really mean perfect the way we think it means perfect. It means perfect. It implies more than perfection. It implies reaching an outcome, reaching one's intended outcome. So the telos of an arrow shot by an archer would be to reach the target. The telos of a peach tree would be to bear fruit. So that means this might be better read like this. Be the person and community that God created you to be just as God is the God that God is supposed to be. You see, I really believe that God sees more in you than you do. 
I think God has a plans and purpose for each one of us. God will use us to achieve something way beyond our own gifts. We are created to help create a different kind of world where violence doesn't always breed more violence and hate doesn't always kindle more hate. Jesus' message here, returning hate with love, turning the other cheek, Praying for those who stand against us is very counter-cultural. I am telling you, in this day and age, it will not win you an election. But it may help change the world for the better. You know, in our stewardship time, I think it is good to be reminded that kinship with Jesus calls us to get outside of ourselves and maybe even give up what we have come to see as our rights so that the kingdom might grow in our lifetime. And that's a huge part of becoming good stewards. Oh, and one more thing. Lest you think Jesus asked something of you that he would not do himself. I take you now to the crucifixion. It reflects all of these principles. He would not did not practice retributive justice. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, life for life. He did not resist evil people. He was slapped around and turned the other cheek. He gave up his clothes. A Roman soldier conscripted work from a citizen to carry his cross. And he modeled his love for enemies, prayed for those who persecuted him from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Quite a savior. I think that's all I got to say. Questions? Anybody want to say anything? Thanks for listening.